On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are stealing Shetland ponies alongside Joe Gilgan and his band of scallies in Brassic, getting our Jane Austen on in ITV's Sanditon, being denied access to Netflix's fun suicide-slash-sexual-assault drama, 13 Reasons Why, and finally being reunited with one of the Beeb's most successful dramas, which we have each been tasked with giving a good review. By order of the Peaky Blinders. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to Picard trailers, minute-by-minute updates on the new season of The Expanse, and whatever truly depressing crime documentaries Terry has watched this week. Speaking of which, speaking of which, rejoining us this week, after her week away, uh, is our Ray of Northern Sunshine, the only woman I know who, as someone on Twitter pointed out this week, makes no distinction between the words Buffy and Buffet. Uh, It's Terry White. Hello. You are. <laughs> Someone on Twitter quite accurately pointed out that for you, Buffy is this is a vampire slayer and also where you get up to eat food at a hotel restaurant. It's a northern wedding. At a northern wedding, yes, yes. That is accurate, but also they're pronounced exactly the same, so I don't see what the point is. Um, uh, can I just say that um, I thought we had a deal where, you know, somebody goes off on holiday, you replace them like like for like. Yep. I don't believe we did like for like. You replaced me with one of the funniest, greatest, smartest women walking this We thought you'd be honoured. I thought you'd be honoured that it takes, this is the way of looking at it, it takes a, a legendary TV comedy superstar who's created her own brilliant TV shows to replace you. I suppose so, but... But, I mean, what a, what a woman. Yeah. And how amazing was Game Face? It was fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. Did, the end? Yeah. The yeah. end? I don't want to skip I haven't seen it. No spoilers. I haven't seen but it. I, I mean, the response, I'm so thrilled for her. The response has just been incredible yeah. across the board. It feels totally, like yeah. it completely went to another level. Mm, 100%, um, and she got all of the recognition she deserved. And thank you for keeping my seat warmer than warm. Joining Terry and myself is a second tier vigilante. A man who has spent the majority of his professional career in Batman's shadow. Uh, I refer, of course, to his sidekick Robin, otherwise known as the Boyd Wonder. Oh, slightly a little labor. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I okay. thought um, Rasheen Connerty gave you some schooling in how to do comedy last week. Yeah, she it tried. doesn't seem to I, yeah. have uh, had much effect. No, no. I've, admittedly, that wasn't that wasn't uh, that wasn't my best work. But I mean, you know, I've been thrown. Like the gang is back together. That's you know, exciting. You know what you are today so far? Because let's let's fa- no no no. You're a bit <laughs> of a hot mess. Ah uh, <laughs> yes. Because you can't yes, read indeed. anything. You can't. You don't know what you're doing. I know. You're all over the place. I am. Or I've had a week off. Like I've been quite. You know. So we're recording this on Monday morning. So later than usual to accommodate the week, the one week that I've taken off in the last decade or so from work. So that was nice. Um, Sorry, everybody. That's the world's <laughs> tiniest violin coming yeah. in for the hey. world. Biggest martyr. And yet, despite having taken a week off, here I am back to do the podcast, unlike yourself last week. Um, you you are due back in work today. Yeah? What's your point? <laughs> so I was meant to come in on my holiday, but you moved the podcast to be recorded on your first day back at work. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you, we needed the dream team back together. This is what I'm saying. You know, it's very nice to have Rasheen on last week. I very much enjoyed it. Um, the question, though, the question really that I have for you is mm-hmm. who are you going to get to replace me next week when oh. I am at D23 in LA? You know, who... <laughs> so we've raised the bar, haven't we? We've raised the bar for Rasheen, so mm. we need to raise it surely yet again. So Boyd... 
who who will you pull out of your? Will it be Al Pacino, for example? <laughs> you know, Tom oh, yeah. Cruise. Who can Al's, possibly? The annoying thing is, as I think we were about to announce, actually, is that I have we have secured one of my celebrity friends as our special guest on our live forthcoming Pilot TV podcast in September. So we can't have him for a start. I mean, if he was available, I don't know. But so it's it's difficult. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. And yeah, do you think we'll exhaust your uh, Rolodex quite quickly if we keep we doing might this? Might do. Yeah. Dermot. Dermot, you Dermot. I'm going to do a pitch. Do you want a, a pitch, pitch for Dermot? Right now okay. for Dermot. Dermot has great hair. Yeah. Really good dance moves. He's really funny. Um, I really like his trousers. Um, <laughs> and yeah. he knows his telly. He does know his telly. You're right. That's a good suggestion. Okay. I'm on. I'm All right. right. Dermot. I'm on, or, yeah, Project you know, Dermot. James Corden. Get him to fly back. <laughs> you know, he could fill yeah. in for me. Ant or deck. Ant and deck. Whichever you like. Yeah. When you say ant and deck. <laughs> ant and deck. <laughs> They sound like a carriage in the expanse. <laughs> yeah, Anton Deck. <laughs> the character Anton Deck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm going to start with Dome, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You've inspired me. Yeah. Rasheen yeah. didn't swear at me as much as you do. She was She was nicer to me. Um, I, uh, hang on. To be fair, the last three or four podcasts, I've worked so hard yeah. to be nice to you. Maybe then. And then it always kind of unravels when you do something really irritating. That, that seems fair. There was, uh, I do, I do hardly recommend you listen to her. Uh, uh, the Funny or Die segment from last week when she schooled me at length on my failings in that area, which, I mean, was, which was fun. And it was about time, yeah. 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 I mean, I think that should, probably should be the end of Funny or Die, to be honest. Once, once you've got an actual, one of the funniest people <laughs> in the country <laughs> who has made a sitcom, which has been a brilliant success, and she spends, I don't know, 20 minutes telling, explaining to you why TV comedy is a brilliant, such a brilliant genre. Mm. It's, it's over, then, isn't it? It's like that should be the yeah. climax we'll of it. That's see, the perfect season we'll finale. See, we'll see later on in the show, won't oh, we, boys? What yeah, is it we... with the two of you trying to kill our regulars? <laughs> We'd have no podcast though. Terry's after Banshee, you're after the other one. You know, shall I get rid of news? Our regulars, i.e., things that revolve around James <laughs> that he came up <laughs> with, inserted into the podcast, and uh, gave yeah. us no say on. Point of order Boyd came up with Funny or Dire. Yeah, but I didn't advocate actually doing it. You did. No, it was I'm your sure idea. You came I, up with it on the show. Uh, sorry. Yeah, well, Apologies. that was it. Was your fault. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as most things are. I'm just saying. We'll see if we can do Dermot or Dyer next week. Yeah, funny or Dermot. Fine. Dermot. So, uh, Dermot. so Terry, you're off on holiday. What were you watching? What have you watched? What have you seen? Uh, so, oh God, I have gone full Downton <laughs> obsessed. So, I am almost at the end of season five. Um, I watched an entire season. While in Sicily, oh. because what else would you be doing with your time? Nice. At, in in the evening on a solo holiday in Sicily, <laughs> than lying in a dark room watching Downton Abbey. Um, I felt all of the feelings. I've got what a roller coaster. Um, I watched six more episodes this weekend. Like there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of Downton in my life at the moment. And then last night I watched um, uh, four more episodes of Euphoria. Oh, wow. Yes, wow. which is just... And you were so right about the carnival episode. Oh, my God, yeah. Some of those... Sh- there's an opening tracking one-shot, which is one of the most ambitious single shots I've ever seen in television. Yeah. It's remarkable. Yeah. That whole thing... I don't even know how they coordinated it. Yeah, if you have incredible. not got into Euphoria yet, and the whole thing is on Sky on their catch-up... Um, Please watch. It's just remarkable. That f- and we raved about that first episode, right? Yeah. And Boyd did watch a few more, but it just builds on that whole thing. It's mm. such brilliant, brilliant telly. Um, so they're quite at the um, opposite ends of the extreme, I suppose, really. Mm. Um, I <laughs> they went, are. I watched 
three episodes of Downton yesterday <laughs> and then got in bed and watched. So uh, how many have you got left? How many Downtons? Are you near the end? You must be of right season near the five. End. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. You're done. I oh, know. Don't tell me that because <sighs> I'm not ready. I'm not ready well, to say. How goodbye. did you feel when uh, cousin Matthew? Uh, I mean, there is, how did I feel about any of it? Like, <laughs> Edith's just breaking my heart. Like oh, right Edith. You love Edith, like, don't you? I am so here for Edith and Mary can go fuck herself, quite yeah, that's frankly. Fair. That's fair. Um, but, oh, my God, it's like, it's just every time I think I've got a handle on it. And then, the, I mean, did people really drop dead that often in, in those days? Because, Apparently. fuck me, it's like... They've all got the number of dead husbands, spouses, fiancés, children between them is mm. remarkable. Do you know what? I'd forgotten there's a whole sequence where they go to war and it's Downton in the trenches. I'd forgotten all about that. It's bonkers. But oh my God, it's so well done. Yeah. Oh, How excited are you about the film, which is incoming? Oh, God, I'm so excited. And bearing in mind that before this, you kept going on about us covering this film and I kept saying something along the lines of over my dead body. <laughs> and, and in a classic Terry White fashion, I've done a complete 360 and now I can't wait. Or a 180. <laughs> Why is that 360? We'll be basically pointing the way you were originally. You've just done a circle. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Um, okay, good, good. I'm very glad that I've convinced I've converted you to Downton Abbey. Obviously, once you've finished Downton, I will I will furnish you with some Farscape episodes so you can oh. replace Downton with Farscape, and slowly but surely you will become me. Fire escape is never going to happen. You promised you'd watch an episode. I know, but I think Downton's an aberration for you. Like there is nothing about you that says Downton Abbey. It's the it's the w- little weirdness at the heart of James Dyer. So I don't think it's indicative. Uh, Fire right. escape is you to a fucking team. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. <laughs> Boy, what have you been watching? I have been watching. We couldn't watch it last week, um, as discussed in the uh, <laughs> in the uh, in the, in the illicitly famous, uploaded. Yes, the famous unedited, <laughs> not for list, not for publication yeah. podcast, where we were discussing how, with certain series, Netflix won't give us advance screeners so we can watch it in advance and review it like we do with shows on this podcast. Yeah. We've got another one this week, but we've got another on. one this week. Yeah, exactly. So, Mindhunter. I have been watching, which arrived properly on Netflix Mm. on Friday, season two. And this was a show that I loved season one. I'm a huge David Fincher fan. He's my favourite director in the whole wide world. And um, I was annoyed (laughs) that we weren't allowed to see. And I still don't really know why, by Mm. the way. Because now I've watched season two. I spent all weekend watching it when I wasn't writing a thing. And um, it's even better than season one. Wasn't it spoilers? But we we knew a lot of the stuff that was happening. I I thought that was the... David Fincher concern. I think that was the line they that used. Was, that's but... the, that was the line they used. But it's less spoilery than, than you know, part, I mean, it's not that kind of show, really. No, it's, it's not. not. It's, it's about psychology and character. And um, a lot of it is people chatting. I mean, practically all of it is, frankly, is people chatting in rooms. Whether And I mean, there might be prison rooms sometimes, and there might be serial killers. But a lot of the time, they're FBI agents chatting shit to each other in the bar. There's some brilliant bar scenes in, 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 in the first couple of episodes. And Anatole as the third main character along with the two dudes who do the investigation she's the one she's their kind of sounding board and mm. she is phenomenal I mean she was brilliant in season one but she really fringe? comes to the fore yeah she was mm, brilliant she was in fringe, fringe. Yeah. so she really comes to the fore there's an amazing scene a couple of scenes in a bar where she's she's looking at this girl behind the bar because she fancies her and it's so brilliantly done I don't think I've ever seen where you notice someone you fancy someone and you're kind of like thinking what am I going to do about that whilst having this really important conversation with her colleagues about what to do about the serial killers it, it's absolutely brilliant. It's so authentic, and and the texture of it is so feels mm. so real. And yet, at the same time, they're showing this appalling, terrible stuff. And there's actually a few kind of almost slightly cheesy plot 
contrivances that go on in this season. But David Fincher is, pulls it off so well, and the writing is incredible. It's, it's just a, a fucking brilliant show. Yeah, I've started that. I watched the first one, and I, there was a part where I was like, it's been a while, I couldn't remember. I watched Mindhunter, I enjoyed it. It's a good catch-up. You, you, I, watched I the didn't catch up. watch the catch-up. I, I should have watched the catch-up. Yeah, like, I'd forgotten there was an investigation and stuff, yeah, yeah, and they yeah, were in yeah, trouble. Yeah. I'd forgotten all about that. Um, but And I thought, oh, I'll tell you what I'll do, I'll watch the first one, and then I'll mm. But I got to the end of it, I was like, and I've remembered, it's very slow and not a lot happens, but these characters are amazing, yeah. and they just yeah. suck you in, yeah. and they're fascinating. Yeah. So I'm absolutely going to plow through this. You're right, it's an incredible trick how... It's quite slow, and you know you were talking about you were banging on about how succession is slow, which it totally isn't. <laughs> this kind of is slow. The pace yeah. of it They're is not very balanced, though in this one because they, they, they spend so much time talking to each other about stuff that often is not very important, mm. and yet it's so compelling. It's weird. It's like a magic trick. Mm. I don't know how he does. It's a bit like you remember Zodiac was quite kind of yes. slow. I think it's very slow. good though. Is, mm. Zodiac is the thing that this is most like yep. in all of David Fincher's oeuvre. <laughs> And it's like you're watching special bonus episodes of Zodiac, which is a fucking brilliant film, um, playing out. You know, and and but then then I've got to the episodes four and five that aren't directed by him, um, and they're equally fantastic mm. as well. So it's just it's just incredible. It really is like you know proper peak TV. We're watching these incredible talents, these these you know huge artistic fucking geniuses, yeah. writing t- making TV shows. And we get ten hours of it. Yeah. Amazing. Incredible. Um, so other than that, what have I watched? Oh, so I didn't watch, but I read the plot synopsis for the finale of Handmaid's Tale Season 3. So that was, you know, close enough. Oh. So I, could, I thought, I'm not going to watch this. <laughs> Do you, you <laughs> so know I read, not the same as watching yeah. it, no. right? Just so I read be the, well, no, because everyone was talking about it. So I read the synopsis to see what was happening, and it still seems quite miserable. Why didn't you just... Because then I'd need it. to have watched the preceding uh, however many, uh, like, 11 but episodes. But how, how did the synopsis make sense to you? No, I read all the synopses for the whole season. Oh, jeez. Just so, so I now know all about season three. Because remember, when we reviewed the beginning of season three, I had not watched season two, so I read the synopses of season two. So now I've read the synopses of season three. So I think this is now me on The Handmaid's Tale now. I'm just going to be a synopsis binger, and that's how I will know what happened. God, that's depressing. Yeah, that is indicative of, of I don't know, something. Yeah. The okay. Synopsis, synopsis reading is now taking the place of actual TV actual watching. Actual watching. Yeah. Didn't help that I kept getting confused with whose name was whose. Oh, they changed. Yeah. No, but I just couldn't remember. I was like, who's that? Lawrence? Oh, yes, right. Yes, that's Bradley that's right, Whitford. Right, right. So, yeah. But what I did watch, what I did watch, which I said I would watch, was I watched the very first episode of This Life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. In I which saw this Andrew Lincoln is about 12 years old. Yeah. And that is very, very weird. Um, and, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, it, it's good. It was good. I enjoyed it. I'm, it took me a little while to get into it. Like, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press on with it. Yeah, I'm going to continue with it. this. This might be my downton. So I'm going to keep on watching this. Um, I enjoyed the characters to a point. Um, what did you think of Anna? Uh, which one's Anna? Scottish. Scottish. I, I found her a little irritating. I knew it. Yeah. I knew yeah, were what? you scared of her? Was I always? Yeah. Was I was, was this a thing? Was I not going to like Anna? She's oh yeah. I mean, she's complicated and difficult yeah. and quite aggressive and and sexually really in control of herself. So yeah, I thought you would. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, but I didn't. I found her quite annoying and slightly erratic. But then I found like, but Jack Davenport erratic, erratic, classic, erratic. Yeah. But doesn't like, but classic she comes. Jones. There is a point where she comes hot up. Mess. Is she a hot mess? Oh no, she's probably not. Hot enough to be a hot mess, no. is she, James? 
<laughs> she comes up at one point and shouts at Jack Davenport for it's unclear what reason. And it's like, what? And he's just like, what is going on? But then he's an idiot as well, so that's all fine. And then Egan, is it Millie? Millie yeah, Millie. Yeah. Egan Millie, insufferably smug, but I quite enjoyed, you know, they mm. were quite fun. Millie's your cup of tea. You think? Yeah, she was good. But then someone said on Twitter, said, when you watch a show, you will wonder why she is not a bigger star than she is. Because uh, people yeah. seem to think she's, she's, amazing, she's the best thing yeah. in it. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really well written. Like, it's, it was really fun. Mm. Uh, but it's just, again, you're watching, it's the, this is so old. Like, I, I feel old watching this. This looks, like, everything about it just screams, you know, it's era. But I know, that's, that was, you know, good. This life. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. about their their relationships and their dynamics and how they shift and evolve. So you really have mm. to, like, have watched a few to start to appreciate it properly. It's funny, though, like, looking at a show like this, which portrays British law firms, and it's it looks like, a you know, a job seeker's office. And then you watch Suits, and there's, like, the American <laughs> vision of what a law firm is, and then the English vision of what a law firm is is very, very different. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. All right. So that was uh, what we were watching. Time now for Funny or Dire while it's still with us, uh, otherwise known as James versus Comedy. Although, I will say, after being soundly schooled on humour by Rasheen last week, I may have had a Damascene conversion. To what? Uh, comedy? To, to comedy, generally. I feel she may have awakened something within me. I laughed... Wait, that was you said like, well, she went a bit worse. Awakened. <laughs> Awakened. <laughs> I laughed, I think, three times in the first five minutes of not The Funny or Dire, but of something else oh. this week, which we'll get to. <laughs> we'll get All to. right, okay. <laughs> so perhaps that's it. I, I'm fixed. I'm, I'm cured. Well, did so, you laugh at Greenwing? Well, let's put it to the yeah. test with this. So this was Graham Wells' suggestion of Greenwing Series 1, Episode 8, The Slave Auction, and not, as I said last week on the podcast, The Space Auction. <laughs> Although, frankly, that sounds much more like my sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so this was an odd one. I think what threw me most about this is it's it's 50 minutes long. Yeah. And that, I forgot that. Yeah, I did that forget that. blindsided yeah, me. Because yeah, like, this is a wacky comedy, and wacky comedies are not 50 minutes long. Mm. Like This is an, an aberration. Also, they shouldn't be. Like They're not this long for a reason. And my main takeaway from this is I just wrote too long, too fucking long. Like, 50 <laughs> minutes, too long for a comedy. That said, I did laugh. And I laughed very early on when uh, there's a guy who's been, Tamsin Gregg has, has maced him, essentially, and he's getting his eyes done, and she's, she's swabbing his eyes, and then she puts a swab on Stephen Manga, and he's like, oh, that's blind man swab. For some reason, that made me laugh. Uh, the bit where they're having a boardroom meeting, and the guy who's like the head of radiology, whatever it is, gets entangled in a bag, and then while ducking someone, like, headbutts the desk, which is classic slapstick. For some reason, that made me laugh, although it really shouldn't have done. And Olivia Coleman, I thought, was great. Like, she, I thought, was fantastic. Mm. She was really charming and there's yeah. a bit when they have Patterson Joseph judging people's photocopied asses, and he picks hers and she's dancing around behind him and that made me laugh as well so I thought oh I'm really enjoying this and then we got past the half hour mark and this drastically outstayed its welcome and I got by that point I was like okay like I was with this early on and I laughed and it was fun and now I'm bored and it carried on going and I felt like the actual sort of narrative arc of this episode was quite tight it was quite neat it was a nice idea it's been done on many other shows before but I feel it fits into a 23 minute slot and I don't think it stretches over 50 minutes and there were moments where weirdly the main issue I had was Michelle Gomez so hmm. she seemed to embody the stupider more extreme parts of the humour in this there's a bit where she's got comedy long arms that made me laugh so yeah. much and I just thought it's that's so really surreal no but that's it I didn't I was like is this a bit like is her character consciously using fake arms or is this 
something that's happening within context? Like, is she supposed to... I couldn't work out what was supposed to be real and what was supposed to be the characters within it doing something stupid. And then she's wearing a beard with a crossbow tries to murder someone. <laughs> oh, and I I'm love like, that stuff. This is nonsense. I know, but don't. But that's, that's for me what marks it out from just being your kind of run-of-the-mill mm. British sitcom comedy, right? The it's, extreme. It's the surreal stuff. Yes. It's fucking nuts. And I loved it. And I forgot it. I haven't watched this since it first aired. And... I laughed at it. I mean, the whole thing with Stephen Mangan when he was trying to prove he knows working class people and I they mean, talk to the clean. That was funny. That whole set piece was just brilliant. He's like, ends up like, go off and do something menial. He yeah. can't remember his name. It's that I found that really funny. But the surreal stuff for me is the stuff that I'd, I'd completely forgotten about and really made me laugh. The stuff with the long arms, I was like dying. How was that funny? Oh, it was so funny. Oh, it was really funny. I, I agree, love yeah. the surreal yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. It lifts it. Yeah. Didn't get it. Does. It, it at makes all. that's what makes it special because you're, you're, I, same. I, experience yeah. i totally forgotten the form of this yeah. show which was unique so i know what you're, you're, you're what you're saying about the length of it is right but that's part of the whole kind of idea of it, it was this freewheeling free form thing about the setting of a hospital and we're going to be we're going to let anything can happen and so you know these kind of moments of surrealism that dot it throughout mm. kind of give it this very unpredictable quality to it that at the same time you're going to have really kind of quite realist moments you mm. know where the, where the nurses and doctors are interacting and all of that and that is and because Victoria Pyle who created it she did the same thing did you ever see Campus so that was no. her, her follow up series was Campus a few years later which was also on Channel 4 and it was also this long and, and people were still like why are you making these comedies that are like an hour long on, on TV and she did the same thing again that was a university set thing so yeah. it was a similar idea of this of the, you know where students and, and that was surreal in the same and way and that was surreal in the same way it's, it was her thing and I think she, and, you know by and large I think she pulled off because I uh, even though it was for you I wasn't bored I was always entertained so I, I think I think I wonder whether it was just I found it I didn't understand why it was still it's going weird. it was like it does not weird. compute does yeah. not compute <laughs> yeah. it really freaked me out yeah. and then but also like I think the surrealism as you know like I sometimes have a problem where uh where there's a, a relatability, believability barrier between me and the show that I'm watching. And I couldn't, the surrealism, again, it just bumped up against, I was like, this isn't real. This doesn't make sense. Does not compute. <laughs> Did not like it. So this is more on me failing, mm. but I don't need to tell you that. Um, but also it was quite <laughs> crass. And I think when it got quite crass, it also lost me there as well. So like when they get to the slave auction, there's the dating bit. When uh, Michelle Gomez is talking, I mean, she's saying like really lewd things to the guy when she's typing the computer. I'm like, mm, this, I don't like this kind of humour. And I just think that I thought, oh, it's got excessively stupid at this point, And therefore it's gone outside my chosen arena. So I, I don't think I enjoyed that bit as much. I did quite enjoy at one point, you know, when... Um, Again, don't know what the character's name is. When he goes out for dinner with Tamsin Greg and he's trying to neg her, <laughs> he does a negging dinner. And there's just one bit where, because he's being like, obviously taking it to the nth degree, like he's being incredibly rude. And at one point she says, because I'm not sure I'm really enjoying this. And he just goes, fuck off. <laughs> you just, that made me laugh because the absurdity of taking the idea of being a bit of a bastard to make someone interested to that extreme. Uh, I found that quite funny. And then he tries to pass it off as some weird hypnotism thing. <laughs> So, yeah, like, genuinely well-written, great performances, people in it really funny, and uh, and loads of really great people in it as mm. well. So clearly very good, but I think the length plus crass surrealism maybe did it in for me, so it's probably not going to become a firm favourite of mine. But I did laugh. It's just, I love the lack of structure in many places yeah. and the mm. fact that it shifts between something that feels very tightly structured to being more like improv almost. It's so random and weird. I'm with you on the length. I had the same, when, when I loaded this <laughs> up, I was like, 
says 53 minutes. There yeah. must be some kind of mistake. <laughs> um, but I think that's to do with our diet of, of TV comedy, which mm. is, you know, 23, 27 minutes. Mm. And that's kind of what we've been trained to watch. Because um, I think Boyd's right. There was no point where I thought I found my attention wandering. But it, it is. it feels suddenly like an insurmountable amount of time because yeah. you're used to it with dramas, with bigger arcs. Yeah, I think they were like trying to go for kind of Ali McBeal style thing. Because Ali McBeal yeah. was essentially a yeah, comedy was, that, yeah. that had mm. was of that length. And but, that was surreal. Yeah, exactly. But I wonder whether the difference, I think maybe what we've come to expect from the traditional sitcom format is trivia. Like the plots of sitcoms tend to be quite incidental. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's funny jokes and writings and comedy situations, but the actual story is slightly disposable. Whereas, and you're used to tolerating that over sort of 20 odd minutes. Whereas when you take that over to an hour, I think sometimes you possibly want like because Ali McBeal plots were sometimes quite involved you know there was a lot going on because it was semi-dramatic I think maybe for an hour you need slightly more stuff but then what Rasheem was saying uh, last week was that she doesn't do pure comedy it's drama with comedy in it so mm-hmm. like like Game Face for example does have a, a narrative structure to it and Fleabag as well is like, another one where you could happily watch an hour long Fleabag it wouldn't mm-hmm. be a problem at all whereas I think something like Friends or sorry boy Seinfeld or something like that you stretch that over an hour and you're just like whew oh, yeah, of you're course. killing me here <laughs> Although having said that, some of the episodes of Seinfeld were an hour long and they were fucking brilliant. Of course they were. Of course they were, boys. <laughs> anyway, so that was, uh, that was Green Wing. Um, Boyd apparently wants to kill this segment. So no, uh, are we going to have know, to do a hashtag I, say yeah, funny I, or don't? You do what you want. I mean, I, you know, I'm just floating I am there. more than happy to end this segment if it is the will of no, the listeners. No, I think, I think the listeners probably want to keep it. I, I think they seem to, you know... All right, because they're still coming up with suggestions. That's all I'd say. I will. So. I will set up a Twitter poll for a kill or keep <laughs> this segment. So if you go to my Twitter at James C Dyer, uh, you will see it there and vote, and that will determine whether or not we do another one. If we do another one, I can tell you what it's going to be. If we do another one, it's going to be Father Ted. Because on the Empire podcast last week, we were discussing the fact that I've never watched Father Ted. And what? someone someone was like, how has this never made Funny or Dire? So I was like, okay, give us one. So a few people came in and said, specifically John Salmon, who's the one I picked, said, Father Ted, Series 2, Episode 5, A Song for Europe, which is the Eurovision oh, comedy yeah. Father Ted. Oh, yeah. Never seen it. Don't know anything about it. Uh, if If this segment survives to another podcast, then that's the next one we'll do. But it won't be next week. Well, you know it's Graham Linhan again. I yeah. do. Yeah. Well, we're not going to... No, know. no. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> we're not going to start with... But you so, did the, no, no, no. So, transgender no, issues. No, I didn't mean that like that. I didn't mean that. I meant... You, you, you don't know anything about it. You watch the IT yes. crowd. Yes. You know something yes. of the And tone. I'm a big fan of black books. Right. There but um, okay. I've, never, I've never watched Father Ted. Although right. Chris Hewitt uh, and Helen O'Hara... Who? Uh, from from uh, from this parish, do a number of, have over the years subjected me to a number of Father Ted skits reenacted. Mm. Something maybe about close s- and far away. Maybe they'll do that on the Empire um, live podcast too. And a Spider Baby, I know about Spider Baby. Yeah, is yeah, it Spider yeah. Baby? Is that a thing? I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Body of a spider and the head of a baby. I don't know. Helen used to do it. Anyway, we've, we're digressing. So that was possibly the last funny or die. Um, <laughs> should we go on to news? Yeah. yeah. So ooh, ooh, oh, first bit of news for this week. It was alluded to earlier, but the first bit of news for this week, we should say, is that we are going to have a guest at the first ever live pilot podcast, which is happening in September. Uh, That is right. Boyd, would you like to share with us who you're bringing along to the live show? Uh, Start of a being human, looking, years and years, and many, many more. The great, the one and only, the glorious Russell Tovey. Boyd's close personal friend Russell Tovey will be joining us I mean 
for the podcast. In a professional capacity. Well, you know what's going to happen. We want to. We're going to interview him, and we're just going to ask him what it's like to be friends with you. <laughs> no. It's going to be like. No. So tell us. Let's be professional. Let's try to maintain Boyd. some level of dignity here. <laughs> tell us about Boyd. You know. <laughs> yeah. Who is the real Boyd Hilton? That's what we'll ask him. What's the yeah. most personal detail you know about Boyd Hilton? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be great. We're going to love it. So mm. Russell will be joining us uh, for the live show, which, as we said, is on Friday the thirteenth of September at the London Podcast Festival. You can book tickets now at kingsplace.co.uk so please do so and you'll you'll see us all live what time are we doing it uh i believe it's at nine o'clock okay nine o'clock of the what? p.m <laughs> yeah it's quite late isn't it see, that time. some some would say we're in the graveyard shift others would say we are headlining friday night <laughs> so everyone else including mark hermode is a supporting act and we are headlining yeah that's how i choose to see it yeah kermode doesn't got russell toby no he doesn't he doesn't yeah. He doesn't have Russell Taylor. So, yeah. so buy a ticket for the Pilot One on Friday and buy a ticket for the Empire One on Saturday, um, which Terry and I will be at as well. How much are tickets, James? Uh, they are money. And uh, <laughs> they are money pounds. And I don't know. I haven't a first clue. Oh. But I don't think they're very expensive. Like They're quite cheap. And I think you get a deal if you buy more than once. If you bought a Pilot ticket and an Empire ticket, you would make money savings. Don't you have to buy three? Sure. Uh, <laughs> but you could buy one that isn't uh, com- one that isn't by Mark Kermode. Okay. Yeah, that's a rule. You can buy three, but one of them cannot be by, my, by, by Kermode. Because he's on the same time as Because he's on the same time as the Not because you're only against him. Just to be clear, it's because he's the competition. Yeah. But as I've said before, I plan to ambush him in the green room. Actually, Russell's, I think they're doing Talk Art, which is his, he does an art podcast. Oh, yeah. Who had Lisa Dunn, Lisa, Lisa? <laughs> Lena Dunham on recently, which is fucking brilliant, by the way. And so I would suggest that. Okay, if you fine. Fall, so it's a yeah. triple bill. Yeah. Russell's podcast, yeah. our podcast with yeah. Russell, and yeah. then Empire's podcast with us. Exactly. It's all connected. Exactly. All connected. <laughs> Anyway, uh, any other news? Yes. uh, So Ben Wheatley has announced that he's directing a zombie pensioner TV (laughs) satire about divided Britain for Channel 4. (laughs) So, I mean, this is possibly the most Ben Wheatley thing ever. Um, It sounds pretty much amazing. It's a six-parter, and it's about the intergenerational divides, which we've seen with Brexit, the kind of civil war that they're calling has erupted within the country. (laughs) There was an amazing quote from, I think, the producer of the show, who said, um, our heroes need to take on the old flesh-eating zombies who have stolen the resources, and finally, the flesh of the young. Oh, my God. I mean, it's it's not the most subtle metaphor, (laughs) potentially. Um, But that sounds super, super exciting. Right? Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm down Wheatley. for that. It's Ben fucking Wheatley. Ben fucking Wheatley. Absolutely. It's down called ben Generation Wheatley. Z. Yeah. Or Z, I guess, if you're Z. in America. Well, but we're not. No, we're not. But I thought there was already a show called Generation Z, but I must be wrong. Do, am I wrong? I. Of course, I haven't looked it up. No, there was a, what, the, the zombie one. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a Z Nation. Uh, you're thinking of Z Nation. I am thinking of Z Nation. Mm. Thank you. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's incredibly exciting, isn't it? I mean, Ben Wheatley writing and directing yeah. zombies, satire. TV. I mean, what are you doing, James? Why are you gone silent? I'm, I'm, I'm basically. So, are you thinking? I, yeah. It's possible I didn't get a chance to look at news. Oh. So I'm looking at I it mean, now. That surprises live no one on the internet. And I've discovered, for example, that Abby Quinn will be starring as Mabel in the original in the uh, the revival of Mad About You. 
Are you talking about something that's completely different now? <laughs> we moved, moved on. on. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've moved yeah. on to another story. He was distracted, yeah, by by our uh, by our talk of. Did you not? Did you watch Mad About You, Boyd? Yes, I did. Did you enjoy it? Yes, I did. Did you like Murray the dog? I did like Murray the dog. Good. Yeah. Uh, Terry, you didn't watch Mad About You, nope. did you? Um, no, I love Mad About You. It was really, really good. Mad About You, I think, was a worldwide pants production, wasn't it? Which was David Letterman's production company. Oh, was it? Yeah, I didn't know that. I know they yeah. had a. There's a. And it there's was, a it was the pre. It was kind of like it would be on before or after Seinfeld, one of the two. But Friends is part of the Mad About You TVU, so the M A Y TVU. So there's a, they have a shared universe because uh, Phoebe's yeah. sister Ursula is a right. character in Mad About You. Mm. But Mad About You is coming back, which means that Helen Hunt and Paul Reiser will return, and apparently Abby Quinn, who's going to play Mabel. That's nice. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but not as exciting as the... Uh, not as exciting Wheatley. as the other thing, as obviously. Yeah. Um, Gormenghast. Were we excited about Gormenghast? I am excited. Gormenghast, the first book of Gormenghast, is it a trilogy? Yeah, the trilogy is one of my favourite books. No, oh, is it? Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It's much better than Lord of the Rings. But I do really fucking love Gormenghast. And there have been, there's been attempts to do it before. BBC did a kind of... I think they might have done it twice actually, and they never really had the budget. It's such a, it's you know, it's a very outlandish kind of big world building. It's a, it has a lot, a lot of things in common with Lord of the Rings, but it is better, as I say. Um, so it needs that kind of budget and that kind of and this kind of approach that will, I get, I'm assuming now happen. Okay, because who's making it? I forget. Yeah, same. Uh, let me have a look. Let me have a look. Now I'm going to find out for you. Uh, Showtime, right? This so that, I mean, you're immediately like that is going to be a big budget you know, high production values. And yeah. that's very important when you're, when you're making a Gormagos show. Yeah, no, I've, I've never read it. Don't know a great deal about it. You'd love it. it. Oh, yeah, it's, it feels it's like it's definitely right a me early. thing. Like, yeah. I'm very excited about Carnival Row that's coming, yeah, yeah. despite the fact that I worry that's not going to be great. But nevertheless, it might be. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm excited. It's got fairies in it and, and, and you know, Yes, we, mystical we will be reviewing it in next week's podcast. Oh, that's right. I won't be here for Get. Carnival Row. No, oh, that's twat. really disappointing. Yeah. Oh, well, never mind. James, how have you not mentioned the Obi-Wan Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, the Obi-Wan show. So Ewan McGregor reprising his role as Obi-Wan maybe. Kenobi for Disney+. Plus. Me- reportedly, maybe. That's happening, I think say. we are going to see him at D23. Or you are going I'm to see I'm going to see him yeah. later this week when at I encounter D23. him in the flesh. Yes, that may happen. Then presumably are you they'll excited? do the big. I'm pretty excited, yeah. So I'm excited, obviously, to see Rise of Skywalker stuff, but you know, they'll they'll show me some Mandalorian, you know, I'll see, you know, maybe some Loki, some, you know, uh, some Falcon and, and Winter Soldier stuff. All the all the Disney Plus stuff will be there. Mm. And I'm sure there'll be like a live action I don't know, pick a shit Disney film. Like one the rescuers. There'll probably be a live action <laughs> the, the rescuers. rescuers announced. That's a good that's a good example. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't yeah. have thought of the rescuers. It's gonna happen. Well they're doing the the um the Aristocats, aren't they? Oh, that, that's the thing. They're doing Lady and the Tramp. Oh, oh maybe it's know. that. Yeah, is it that? No, it's Lady and the Tramp, isn't it? Oh, is it? Is it? oh I don't know. Yeah, I think it's Lady and the Tramp. It's the one, I, where it's they one eat, with you know the one where animals. they eat spaghetti together is Lady and the Tramp. Yes, so they're doing that one. Um but yes, so you and McGregor. Yes. So this is an interesting one because McGregor has said a number of times he'd quite like to go back to yes. that role. It's 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 interesting because they used the last time we saw, or I should say, heard Ewan was in the Force Awakens. They use a line of oh, his yeah. dialogue right. during the, the yeah. Force back sequence mm. when Ray has a has a vision, and there's a line there's a line from you McGregor in there that he recorded. But that's the last thing he did. Other than that, it was Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> the last thing he did ever. That's, yeah, well, he's done yeah, other I mean, things. That's, but as Obi Wan, yeah. that's the last yes. thing that he did. And yes, the only thing he's course. done since Revenge of the Sith. So, yeah, yeah right. I am. I am interested to see it. See if he brings Hayden Christensen back as well. As Anakin. Mm. No. Mm. Seems seems doubtful. <laughs> no need for seems that. Seems doubtful. Okay. Have you? Have you? Have either of you seen the film Skate Kitchen? 
no, the US indie I have not film about the girl yeah yeah Skater yeah, girls. yeah yeah it was great and they're doing you know they're doing HBO's doing a series oh wow yeah. on the same girls same girl so it's the same cast and the same creators it's called Betty the series but and I, it, it's not quite clear whether the same characters or not but I mean it's literally this, the people in that show and the people who created the people in that film the people who created that film are making a half hour comedy series set in the world of skater girl culture and I think it's a really good idea because I, th- I love that film I mean I love skater culture HBO will do an amazing job. Yeah, and HBO will do an amazing job, yeah. I want to talk about something on ITV and really annoy James. Yeah, good. Um, This... um uh, who wants to be a millionaire? Yes. Which just yes. right, it doesn't sound like something that we'd want to talk about. James is already squinting. <laughs> so, does everyone remember the cheating scandal mm. early noughties? No. Um. So there was a guy on it, Major Charles Ingram, and his wife and a friend of theirs were sat in the audience, and they, I think, they won a million. Right. Was this the coughing thing? Yes, the oh, coughing thing, and it was they were eventually found guilty of this, um, and they had to pay a massive fine and one probation. But essentially, they. Um, she coughed at certain points to give him a clue to the um, answers and they ended up winning a fuck ton of money Um, (laughs) but this is going to be directed it's a three-parter coming onto ITV it's directed by Stephen Frears um, which is really exciting obviously a very English scandal the Queen Um, Matthew McFadden is going to be Major Charles Ingram which I just can't get my head around their faces being like the same person but most excitingly for me is um, Sean Clifford from Fleabag is going to play oh, his nice. wife Diana um, and Michael Sheen is going to play Chris Tarrant yeah no I can't get my head around what? that that is demented what? isn't it yes. obviously Michael Sheen kind of specialised in playing real people yeah. he played Tony Blair a yeah. few times he played Brian Clough the legendary mm-hmm. football manager all kinds of real people but I don't see him as Chris Tarrant at all what? and the other thing is Chris Tarrant has such a kind of Weird, unique way of talking. Like, yeah. oh, Christo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not, like not like that. <laughs> I'm intrigued as to how is, yeah. She, I mean, would it be weird to get Chris Tarrant to be Chris Tarrant? Yes. In yeah. a fictionalised thing where everybody else is played by actors. No, they right? do. It. You know, Mission Impossible use Wolf Blitzer, don't they? No. You know, there is crossover. It, I always, it's always weird when you've got somebody so recognisable. Unless you're right, when he was Blair, he was so brilliant at yeah. Blair that it, you never even thought that he wasn't. Mm. But I'm, tr- but like you, I'm like, how do you become yeah, Chris Tarrant? I bet you will. At least a chameleon. Who also looks very specific, Yeah, right. right? Yeah. We'd, we'd have like a blonde wig on like with You'd that particular... To. Who know, Yeah, I mean, who knows? It's in, it is intriguing. This was originally a stage play. This, so yeah. this, so which, and it's been adapted for the screen by the same writer right. of the stage play. Exactly, and so it is a proper. That it's uh, it's the thing I actually kind of love, which is where you take a kind of pop culture moment mm. and you turn it into kind of proper quality, in depth TV drama. I think mm. it is a really exciting project. Yeah. James no. is never going to watch no, it. I'm, no, I'm absolutely not. But I've never watched. Well, you will because we're going to f- review it on this fucking podcast. I've never watched. Uh, I've never watched. Who wants to be a millionaire? We well, don't so. have to. Oh have my god! That. What are you talking about? Oh, this is classic. Oh, this is classic James yeah. Dyer. <laughs> yeah. The pop, the pop culture phenomenon of that show exists over here. This is a yeah. a separate piece of culture. Which was a stage play that is in a different kind of part of the cultural matrix. The problem matrix you have that. is that this, as a TV show, is contaminated with the with the the lurgy of reality TV because that's what's. Oh, hang on, I've got, and I've got a point to make to you about this, right? Which is, um, and I should have mentioned this earlier in what we've been watching. I've watched the two parts so far of the Jade Good, oh, How yes. Jade Goody Changed Britain Channel Four documentary, yep. and this is like classic James I because you would never watch it no. because Jade Goody is a reality show and Big Brother, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It is such a brilliant. Brilliantly made documentary series. 
And it is a documentary in every kind of brilliantly prestigious um, meaning of that word. It is so expertly, precisely done. And it's brilliant. And I was, and when I was watching it, I was like, James Dye would be rolling his yeah. eyes right now if he was here. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd, be quite, I'd be quite interested if Jamie Graham, for it is he, who, who's writing the, the quiz, the Who Wants to be a, be a Millionaire series, if he did a Big Brother, if he did like a Jade, yeah, that kind of thing, a Jade Big Brother. That's yeah. the story to tell there. I'm sure it, that kind of, you know, someone, needs, someone could do that. And just to annoy oh, James God, Dyer no. as well. I'll be off that week. I'm not, sure just, if, no. I'm not sure if Stephen Frears would be on board though. Of course, Stephen Frears, who I do love, who did do a brilliant job on, on um, A Very English Scandal, mm. of which this feels like it's got similar yeah. DNA. Um, but did fall asleep in one of my in an on stage oh, yeah. and after. <laughs> so oh, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah that Which was there a, is photographic evidence. There is photographic evidence. Yeah, people were there, witnessed it. Yeah, yeah. he sat at the end of a sofa and fell asleep. That's that's impressive. Yeah. It was, it was I've a, never had someone a, fall asleep during an interview with me before. No, me neither. Uh, but that's that's impressive. Yeah, there was a moment. Uh, I have a I have a, a last news story. If no one has anyone else, which is a slightly odd one. So Friends is heading to the cinema. Not that they're making a movie of it, but for its 25th anniversary, they are remastering Friends in 4K and theatrically screening the 12, quote-unquote, most memorable episodes. In the UK? No, probably just in the US. But James! No, 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 no. I'm, there's someone get, I'm bringing this up because I think it's interesting to discuss the ones they chose as the 12 most memorable episodes of Friends. Who's chosen them? It doesn't say. Presumably Warner Brothers. Or perhaps it was put to a vote. Who knows? Who knows? Who Come knows? on then, give us the top five. Okay. The pilot. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a cop-out. That's fair. That's, oh. I bet they end... Did they end with the... Oh, no, they don't have the last one in there. Fair enough. Uh, oh, that's just stupid. Now, uh, number two... Although it's not listed. It's not It's not, It's not. not like this ranked. is... The t- yeah, it's not ranked. That's the word. Well done. Thank you, Terry. <laughs> it's not ranked. It's, it's not listed. List. It is listed. It's not ranked. It's right. a list. Um, the one with the blackout, which may be my favourite. Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, that's a really Chandler good one. Where gets locked in the bank. Yeah, with Jill Goodacre mm-hmm. and Paolo. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. It's great. The one with the birth. Rachel's birth. I can only assume. Uh, or Phoebe's birth. The 23rd episode of season one. So no, it'd be, it'd be Ben's birth. Uh, but, oh. Yeah. These are rubbish. <laughs> where's the prom video? The prom video is the greatest oh, episode on, of all time. Hang on, hang on, hang on. The one where Ross finds out... Yeah. Finds out what? Uh, well, this is the one that he finds wait, out that... Rachel when she leaves in the voicemail. It's his seventh episode of season two. Yes, yes. yes so yeah. it's that Same. one, yeah. So it's the one where Ross finds out. That's what we call closure. <laughs> uh, the one with the prom video. Yes. Hey. Which is genius. Ever. When he's sitting there in that wig and moustache playing Axel F on his keyboard, it is one of the greatest yes. moments of television. Um, he's a lobster. The one where no one's ready, which is the second episode of season yes. three. Where oh, yeah, Joey drank, good. where Joey yeah. was going to drink the fat. Well, where Ross was going to drink the fat to say sorry to Rachel for shouting at her for not being ready for his gala benefit <laughs> at the museum. Yeah. yeah, it's a great episode. That entire episode yeah. is that entire setup. It's good. It's very good. And they stop him drinking it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler. Um, you the... are gonna drink the fat. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the morning after which is season three as well. And I can't remember what that is. Is that Monica and Chandler? That's later, first, though. That's when they're in England, isn't the it? That's not season three. Is, that is season three. It's not. It can't be season three. That's much later, isn't it? Because they shag quite late on, relatively speaking. It's got to be like, what, five, six? The morning after. The one with the morning after. Right, so I'm going to Google that. Uh, the one with the embryos. 
is the next one, which is from Phoebe. season four. Oh no, embryo. Yeah, that is Phoebe. Phoebe yep. will be pregnant with Frank's baby. The one with Chandler in a box, which is, is. genuinely funny, isn't it? When he yeah. smokes his girlfriend. Exactly. And he's doing penance and he stays in a box. That's a good one. The one with Ross's wedding part two. The one with the morning after, obviously, is the morning after when Ross sleeps with Chloe, the girl from the Xerox. Oh, oh the we were on a yeah. break thing. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and it's the one where Gunter was like, out. was I not supposed, supposed to? to? Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I do remember that. Iconic episode. One with Ross's wedding part two is, I think, the Chandler and Monica one. Yep. Because that's, in, that's yep. in London, isn't it? Where they go around and you see them wandering around like London Bridge buying Union Jack hats and it's just a cringed city. Uh, the one where everyone finds out from season five. Which is that when they find out that Chandler and Monica are Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Get lo- off my sister! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't need to go to the season. No, because Terry's reenacting all the episodes for you. Yeah. Uh, the one where Ross got high, which is season six. That's Ooh. the last one. I is that the one where Chandler moves in with Monica and it turns out that he'd been blaming Chandler for when he got high in his childhood bedroom for years and that's why Monica's parents don't like him. And, and Ross has to confess that he got high in high school. Terry, how many times have you watched Friends? I feel that there's something we're tapping into here, something that we had not known, that you watch this on repeat. Um, Usually daily. Wow. Because I've watched the first two seasons of Friends, like, many, many times. But after that, I think I've only seen three onwards once. I've watched them all over and over again. It comforts me. It's my, when I feel anxious, mm. I watch Friends. I often go to sleep with Friends on in the background. Oh, okay. okay. It, leaving Netflix is one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. Wow. <laughs> Surely you have the box set. No, I'm not you. <laughs> <laughs> also the box I set. have streaming platforms <laughs> yeah, but now you don't have I it know, on a streaming platform I know, I know. Think the box set you have to physically go in and take, put another yeah. disc on if you want just to play throughout also, the night I would also to this point like to point out that I literally bought you Downton Abbey for your birthday and so you watched it on streaming yeah it was a symbolic I mean, gift yeah I mean that's true it also cost like a pound so yeah. but still 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 right I guess that was news how um, is there no Mrs Geller why you cry <laughs> when she comes back from Greece. I mean, where's, you know, the one with George Clooney? Where's the, the Brad Mrs. Pitt Gellar, one, the Bruce Willis one? The, all, all the Paul, the best Paul Rudd episodes aren't in there either. Mm. But, you know, kind of everything. You There's can't. a lot of episodes of that show and they are very good indeed. Anyway, should we move on to reviews? Yes. Sure. Right. First up this week, as we adopt the requisite Brummy accent, is season four. I'm going to oh, stop no, that because oh really, all of our yeah. listeners from Birmingham will be like, make it stop. Also, <laughs> it let stop. me just say there's something very, you know, sexy and masculine and, you know, about that, that Brummy accent in Peaky Blinders. <laughs> yeah. And then James does it and it's like, yeah. it doesn't have quite the, 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 the same impact. Right, I, can, I can speak with a Birmingham accent. You are not Killian Murphy. I think we no. can all yeah. agree. All right, fair enough. Anyway, yeah. so uh, this is, of course, the show, season five of the show that made Flat Caps cool again. Uh, I refer, of course, to Stephen Knight's Peaky Blinders. Now, if you'll recall, Boyd and Terry, uh, series four ended with Thomas Shelby OBE being elected to Parliament, which is something, I'll be honest, I didn't see coming. And series five picks up two years after the election. But if you think the Shelby Company Limited has left its shadier business interest behind, you are very much mistaken. Uh, Terry, you're basically a northern gangster yourself. Was this a documentary for you? Oh, my God. So, a small confession... I've never watched Peaky Blinders. Whoa. So nothing about it appeals to me. Really? Like, none of the stars. The period stuff grinds my gears. A Birmingham gangster. The whole thing just, like, turns me off massively. I'm shocked. So I watched this for this podcast. 
I had no clue what was happening, but it didn't matter. It's so brilliant. It's like proper sexy and bombastic and showy. And it's like a bit brummy Tarantino and American Western. Um, it's so beautifully super stylized, mm. but not at the expense of substance or anything mm. like that. Some of the sh- some of the single shots, like, were just remarkable. In some the field of- with the scarecrow. I mean, mm. holy shit! The cinematography is insane. Some of the slow motion shots, like the craft behind. I mean, I take back every thought and presumption I ever had. Um, it's like a graphic novel almost mm. like how it looks yeah. I mean it's I should have known because Nick Cave obviously and yeah, I like, must have said when the second red, red right, right hand, hand came I on mean, you must I have been like, like oh ding! <laughs> um, so I can't tell you what happened no. and can I just say Killian Mur- so this was the other thing I was like Killian Murphy I've, you know we've all seen Killian Murphy and I was like does he have the like imposing physicality and the meta mm. oh my <laughs> god like in spades like yeah. he is I mean, that voice, I was like, it's not even like it's coming out of his body. He is incredible and so, like, terrifying and seductive and charming and, like... (sighs) I am I am all here for Peaky Blinders, and after I finished out Nabby, I'm going back. To you the really should also again. because I would argue it's it's like its strongest seasons. I think were the early ones, not because these are bad, but I just think in terms of the setup when they were kind of the scrappy Peaky Blinders gang, rather than with the sort of an air of this feels like the Godfather Part Three era of I mean, Peaky Blinders. Oh no. No, 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 boys, no, 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 we both love the Godfather. No, I like the Godfather Part Three as well, apart from. But I'm saying there's a veneer of respectability. Whereas when they're just on the street slicing people up with razor oh, blades, okay. you mean more thematically? Vibe. Yes, right. that's oh, what I mean. Fine. I don't mean quality wise. Oh, sorry. Okay. But I mean thematically, I think it's, it's more engaging early on because we're, we're in series five at this point. But I, I, I absolutely love the show. And like you, I came to this very late. I came to this, I think, when series three came in. And I just, I mean, it's not a lot to binge it. There aren't that many episodes. But it's really fucking good. It's incredibly well shot. It's beautifully sort of, uh, it just feels really high quality. Mm. And as you say, I think Killian Murphy, like to be, you know, with the Brummy accent and just that look, because he has those eyes. Yeah. But he's terrifying in it. You must have been completely lost. There's even a ghost turns up at one point well, in I this. Figured, You're like, who the I fuck fig- are you? Well, I figured she was a ghost. Yeah. I won't say who it is, but I, I figured mean, she was a ghost. To be fair, it's an, it's not an actual ghost ghost. But it's not it's a more, ghost. No, but it, no, it is. Oh, but it's, it's a like, figment of it's like, Yeah, so he's imagining. Yeah. 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 But, and, but I, I like that. And I like that. I was I was like, I mm. wasn't expecting that mm. at all. Mm. Um, but I just, it had this like emotional heft, these scenes with his kids. There's a whole thing with the horse that really kind of like knocked the wind mm. out of me. Uh, Tom Hardy is incredible in this when mm. he's in it. Also, uh, Aidan Gillen. Well, he's not in any really like. No, he's no, not in any But what I'm saying. saying is when Terry goes back to watch yeah, this, you'll right. love Tom oh, Hardy. Okay, all right. Um, but Sam Aiden Neill's Gillen great in the first season. Is, is, Aiden Gillen as Avarama Gold is brilliant. He, he, he is still in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so pleased that Terry loved it because I was terrified. I was terrified because <laughs> I love Peaky Blinders. I've loved it from the first minute. The very first scene of Peaky Blinders, he rides in on his horse. Yeah. And it's a long tracking shot. It's a callback in this. Yeah, which is absolutely is called back. Um, and it's and it, it, so it establishes itself very from the very first sequence of this thing that is absolutely not like normal, particularly British TV. Yeah. No. It's so ambitious and it's so it's so huge of scope. And but what I I, th- I can disagree with you about um, the, 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 the its trajectory. I think it's got better and better and better. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I think, it, I think the more it engages with history and politics, there's that one what it's doing now with yeah. Oswald Mosley arriving. Yeah. You've got the it begins with the Wall Street crash, and it kind of weaves that in, the kind of texture of history, so brilliantly. And it's got 
got it just feels like it's got more to say. It feels like it's got more heft now the more it goes on. Oh, I think that's definitely true. And they do this brilliant thing. So they've done this brilliant thing that uh, uh, all the way through they get a new director each series. And kind I think quite most of the creative team is new. So I think mm. they get new editors. I interviewed like the editor and the director of series three, four, I think, mm. recently. And they're all out. And in comes this new director who this time is Anthony Byrne. And and I feel like tacitly they're all given that challenge of outdoing the previous yeah. one because it has become this incredibly visually impressive on a BBC budget, you know, it's extraordinary, isn't it? And it's now gone from BBC Two, BBC Two budget. It's now gone to BBC One. I feel like they've given it more money because it does feel even more spectacular visually. It's always been spectacular, but it now feels, as you say, every shot is beautiful. There's scenes in like a House of Commons, aren't mm. there? Which a film like is like dark, smoky, and it, and it may well have been like that because they're quite keen on their historical action. I think they might have gone. Actually, what was it like to be mm. in the House of Commons in 1929 mm. when it was all these blokes smoking? And and, you know, maybe it was quite dark. And, and so that alone was beautiful. As you say, it's got real emotional depth. It, 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 the, the, the match of style and substance is really brilliantly pulled off. And I thought this first episode was so clever because it wasn't the most action-packed episode. Often they start with, like, series of four, start with a huge big action set piece, effectively, mm. which was incredible. This eases you back in, in a way, and reintroduces you to the characters and what, what they're doing, picking up two years after the last one left off. But it's so gripping anyway. Mm. And and uh, the catch-up with them was so entertaining. Helen McCrory, brilliant. <laughs> Not, Amazing. The women got, in, the the women women in this. Incredible. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I think they have a huge input into that. Helen McCrory has a massive input. She, you know, she's talked about this, how she talks to Stephen Knight, who writes every single episode, and they kind of discuss her character, and she is a phenomenal figure in it. Um, the scene that made it for me, I mean, the, it, I thought made it even more brilliant than I expected it to be, and I do love the show, is right at the end when he where in, gets interviewed by this journalist mm. from the Times, and it is such a brilliant one-on-one two-hand scene that goes on quite a long time because he's terrifying in it. He didn't fall asleep. It, no, exactly. He didn't <laughs> fall asleep. Exactly. I like Stephen Frears. And I thought that summed up the show because it's, it, it's a conversation in a room between two people, but it's an incredibly compelling, beautifully filmed, so well acted and just showed like it's talking about stuff. There's stuffed being, you know, it's he's it's basically going to, you know, I'm, no, I'm not going to reveal what, yeah. what it is. I'm not going to spoil it. But it's what but that, it's got that scene isn't what you think right. it is going in. Yeah. And it's like, this is very much a, a fly wandering into a spider's Yeah, exactly, well. yeah. Um, so I just think it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's it's brilliant it, there's some incredible scenes in it. I mean, we mentioned there the scene in the field with the scarecrow I thought was incredibly mm. powerful. I've watched the first two. I forget which one is episode one and which one is episode two. Um, but yeah, and just to your point, I'm not saying in any way that the quality no, of the show has gone down. And as you say, I think the budget has gone up, the production values have gone up, the quality has gone up and it is more politically significant and more historically significant at this point i think i just enjoy that kind of scrappy insurgent vibe i liked it sure. when they were gangs fighting other gangs and having their heft around like one of them gets beaten up in a pub so they go and burn the fucking pub down you know by order of the peaky blinders um and i very much enjoy the way killian murphy says Avrama gold but uh, <laughs> but no this was this was great it's helen mccroy when she comes back into this what what she's doing and where she is when we begin is amazing the way they tie it into the stock market crash mm. the way it does tie into these political events. The one thing they're quite, um, I would say, uh, defensive about 
as as a creative mm. team, all of them, is the violence, right? Because this is no a show that has that Tarantino mm. thing about, you know, mm. violence is incredibly visually yeah. thrilling and often beautiful. And it's often filmed in super slow motion and there is a beauty to the way they achieve it. And they're qu- I feel like, not through any fault of their own, I think like they probably worry that, you know, think pieces are going to be written about how it's glorifying violence, which it doesn't do because it shows you no. the real hor- horrible result of violence. But it is brilliantly, brilliantly done. It is Tarantino-esque in the way it deals but with it. But I think it gives that level of violence is shocking and and in some ways obscene, but I think it's so powerful in the in that scene in the pub where you have uh, Arthur and Tommy standing at the bar, and Michael comes in and he's just like, "Sit down, Michael," and it's like just the expression on his face, the weight of all that mm. violence that we've oh, seen yeah. him commit, just means that the the menace that he radiates is so well earned because you know exactly what he's capable of and the extents to which you'll go to, you know, family or not. Like, he's a mm. terrifying individual, yeah. and the violence is what cements that. And I think without that, it would lose some of its potency. So I, oh, I don't think it's gratuitous at all. Oh, completely. Um, and some of the violence that happens in episode two in this is, again, oh, it's yeah. quite it's, shocking, it shocking, but it's so powerful. Especially it's now going to BBC One. It's BBC One, mm. you know, yeah. Sunday night. And, you know, bear in mind, these are guys who have razor blades sewn into the peaks mm. of their flat caps. So it was never going to be, you know, sort of pre-Watershed entertainment. But uh, no, this is this is fantastic. I'm very excited when this is back. And I'm always really sad to see it go because it's only ever six episodes. And it's, you know, and then you've got to wait years for another one. Yeah, I think they can't. It's too... It, you can't make this kind of thing. Oh, it's so good, though. I will. I will go back and actually rewatch the. Oh, maybe I'll do it with you, Terry. We'll do a synchronized Let's rewatch. Do it <laughs> there aren't that many of them, so, so it will be. It will be mm. fine. But yeah. That is Peaky Blinders, and I have not written down the air dates of anything this week. So, so boy, on, Peaky Blinders is on, on BBC One. S- BBC One Sunday night at um, nine thirty, and then also the following episode is on Bank Holiday Monday at nine. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so you get double two, Peaky Bell, and they follow on from the last ever episodes of Poldock, which I did want to mention because Poldock fans will want me to mention yes. that that finally comes to an end. This so, this version of Poldock comes to an end on Bank Holiday Monday as well. Nips out for Poldock, and yeah. then flat caps on for Peaky Blinders. <laughs> exactly, brilliant. It up. Uh, also out this week is Brassic. This is a six-part Lancashire set comedy starring Joseph Gilgan of Preacher and This Is England fame as Vinny, a hopeless, feckless Egypt of a man, a uh, hot mess, if you will. Isn't that right, Terry? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking it back. We're, we, we, we're degendering hot mess. Oh my so God. Joe Gilgan is a hot mess. In fact, so is everyone in this show. So we've, we've, we've successfully reclaimed the term. Oh, God, you're such a bellend. <laughs> Did you enjoy this, Terry? I, I mean, it's a Lancashire set comedy. I loved everything about this. Of course you did. So this is just such original telly. We've talked before um, about the representation of certain communities and certain class in this country on, on television. And this, for me, does something totally different, which nobody else really does. So this was created um, by Joe Gilgan. And um, he stars in it and it's about him and his mates, essentially, um, growing up in this kind of small town slash suburbia um, in this northern suburb. And it kind of starts on this amazing police chase. Well, it starts with him on a bridge, which is a whole different thing. But then there's this incredible um, police car chase and he does this monologue, which is absolutely, you know, train spotting inspired. But let me tell you, it's so brilliant. And I wrote some of it down because it's so... And it feels like kind of a manifesto from him and from the show. And it sets it out to Britain. He says... Fuck the middle class, fuck the Guardian, fuck three holidays a year, fuck drinking red wine and fucking talking shit at dinner parties. And then he kind of says, you know, about how these 
these towns and these communities and these people are viewed. And he says, what they'll never understand, and that's the middle classes, it's this, we're not victims, we have just have a different way of life. It's about having a laugh with your mates. It's about finding a way to survive. And it frames, for me, those communities which have been, in many ways, neglected by the government, which haven't had investment for years, which the stories are often around, you know, kind of um, what's happened to them after the decline of industry, the lack of opportunities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The narratives around these towns, around this country, tend to be very negative. And all of the stories we see are quite grim, and it's it's quite, you know, unrelenting. And actually what this does is remind you of the humour and the warmth and the heart and the bonds at the heart of so many of these communities. And it this does that so well. This friendship group is is kind of weird. Everybody's a very uh, unique character. His best mate has a girlfriend who's kind of, you know, wants to escape and wants to get out mm-hmm. and make a better life for her and her kid, played by Michelle Keegan. Um, there's an amazing cameo from Dominic West, mm. um, who you do not expect to turn up as his doctor, because he is he does play Vinny, this Lancashire lad who is suffering from bipolar. So while it is funny, it also says a lot about what's happening in this country. It says a lot about the kind of representation of certain communities. It says a lot about um, uh, the NHS and kind of how we're treating mental health issues and the kind of weight that people have. There's some real significant proper stuff that's tackled in here alongside all of that. It's got such heart. And I have to say, Joe Gilgan is just an absolute... like I just think he's incredible. I think, A, coming up with something like this, A, B, getting it made for a Sky original show, but just kind of the perspective he's putting out there... I just, I just love this. I love this. I love this. Everything you just said is true. However, I feel you've slightly missold this as this incredibly worthy commentary on sort of social structure and the working class, which of course it is. It but is. let's not forget, yeah. this is a show in which they try to chloroform a Shetland pony and run over a chicken. Well, that's the so... beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. Is it, it? It has these these moments. That that monologue said said more about those communities and the kind of misrepresentation of those communities than most five thousand word think pieces I have read in The Guardian, (laughs) but there are brilliant comedy set pieces at the heart of this which are just amazingly entertaining. He is so charming. He is so funny. He's got such kind of natural charm, natural wit. Um, and it is very funny and it is, you know, a comedy show. But also I do think like it's a fucking Trojan horse. It's a Trojan mm. horse of a show because the stuff that it, it does, the scene with Dominic West, what you learn about that from kind of um, our treatment of mental health in this country and handled so lightly, yeah. it's just like, I just think Showing him his Tinder app and it's yeah. just, what is happening? Um, yeah, no, I, it made me laugh within the first minute, which is pretty fun. I'd literally just written down, fuck the plumage, exclamation mark. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed the little uh, expletive-ridden uh, Danny Boyle yeah. riff. Um, I, I thought it was great. I must admit, a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the um, uh, Comedy? Yes. <laughs> a lot of the sort of soul of the working class stuff that you have distilled from this was a little lost on me. <laughs> however, however, I did really enjoy it. I did think it was very funny. I, the only parts of this that didn't quite land for me were... I have a, yes, a thing with comedies, but the trope I hate the most in all of drama slash comedy slash fiction is the normally boyfriend, father, husband is left in in charge of the child and then fuck it up in spectacular fas- fashion by being a bellend. And it's so irritating. It's just the trope of it. I, I dislike but that a, as a trope. And it's not just about kids. It's not just about, you know, looking after kids. It's the, you know, uh, feckless man being put in position of sort of semi-responsibility and then 
fucks it up and will he get found out? That is a trope that I find. Well, what I love is they and and you use the word feckless in the interview. Is that in the intro? Sorry, is that's how these men without kind of qualifications and steady mm. jobs and that's how they're often portrayed, right? As feckless men. But I think this shows that then that they fuck up and make mistakes but they're not feckless and lazy and they just live a very mm. different life they're feckful. to the feckful oh, yeah they're full of feck <laughs> full of feck um, okay don't let I that misfect don't let that whole trope thing get, you know get in the way it's a totally valid storyline because it's the, he is that character it's totally he is that kind of person not a feckless. hot mess well, whatever you want to call it he has lives a very complicated life and he ends up having you know running around doing these things and the, the hectic whirlwind of his life is is kind of you know what it's all about I, I thought it was fantastic so it's so interesting because I think the whole thing it comes it all started when he was talking to Dominic West on the yes. set of Pride the film they, they mm. did they starred in together Great film. and he was telling him real stories from his real life and talking about what it's like being himself being bipolar being working class blah 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 blah. he doesn't live the kind of actors you know life he doesn't have any of those um, luxuries that you'd expect he just lives a very kind of fairly normal life of a normal human being and Dominic West was like my god these are fucking brilliant he was telling hilarious stories of stuff that goes on and Dominic West said you should turn it into a TV series and that was the inspiration so it's interesting he got the inspiration oh. from him and and real kudos to Sky I think yeah. for kind of running with it it's great yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's not often you can say I really enjoyed the bit where they uh, they put hair dye on a pony so that is Brassic and Brassic airs Boyd when and where Oh, uh, Sky One. Now I'm gonna have to check that. I didn't write this down, but yeah, I, I normally do. Do you know what? I, what I do know is, I think it, I'm pretty much it's. It, I'm pretty much sure it's Sky One tomorrow night, Tuesday, and I think it's all being made available as a box set. Okay, so it's dropping as a box set on yeah, Tuesday. Okay, Brassic yes. on Sky One. Next up this week is Sanditon, which takes us back to the 18th century for a Jane Austen period drama in which an idiotic Greek Cypriot estate agent attempts to let out properties in North London. Isn't that right? <laughs> Boyd. <laughs> yes. See, it must be right, Boyd, as I distinctly remember you giving me the show to watch before I went off on holiday, uh, which I watched, and that was the plot of that show. I see what you've done there. Yes. Um, can I just say that Brassic starts on the 22nd of August? You can. Which is Thursday. Excellent. First of all, and but all of all episodes are available. And sorry, yeah, so Stuff Let's Flats, which I do love. Did you watch Stuff Let's Flats? I did Amazing. watch Stuff Let's Flats. That is Jamie Dimitri's a knockabout sitcom about estate agents and letting agencies. It's really funny. But I felt Sanditon is ITV's huge, big new uh-huh. bank holiday weekend period drama, Jane Austen, this, that and the other. So I felt we had to do it. Sorry. Yes. So... I went and watched Series 2 of Stath Let's Flat, a show for which, and this is true, there is a thread on the IMDb bemoaning the fact that no one gets it. Let me tell you, Boyd, I didn't get it. <laughs> I mean, this doesn't surprise me. I didn't me. understand it. This is also it. partly why I decided we shouldn't do Stath Let's Flat. I, I don't, I like, it feels to me like the humour of Stath Let's Flat is pitched quite specifically. Like, it's on a very specific frequency, <laughs> which my personal DAB radio does not receive. I, d- I didn't get it. I don't understand it. What the hell is it about? It's about a gigantic bunch of doofuses who work in a lettings agency. Yeah, I yeah. just, yeah, I just, I, I yeah, know. It's very just funny. That, it was a whole yeah. world of no for yeah. me on Stat Let's Flat. Okay, well, and we're not reviewing that. I anyway. know, but I'm <laughs> so reviewing move it. On. Do you know why? Because you made me fucking watch it. <laughs> I need a wee. Get to the point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. BAFTA nominated. Anyway, that is Stat Let's Flats for uh, <laughs> Should You Feel the Need for a Comedy that I and apparently many others don't understand, then when the Stat Let's Flats. Air, I think that's on boy. Monday tonight. 
It's Charles on Monday. I, think. I mean, having said that, I'm making all these things up. Boy, Boy doesn't know. It's on telly <laughs> know at some point. He doesn't know. Maybe you should watch it or review it. Apparently, that's a thing that's happening. <laughs> having, having said that, in the meantime, we have a show called Sanditon, which I did not watch and don't know what it is. Boyd, what is Sanditon about? Sanditon is an adaptation of an unfinished Jane Austen novel, Lazy, um, which she wrote 11 chapters of, I believe, and then she got ill and... I think pretty much died. Um, and it is, it's basically about a group of posh types in whatever century. And the, the focus is on this guy who wants to establish a seaside resort called Sanditon. And it's kind of like partly about... Oh, Sanditon. Uh, Sanditon, yeah. <laughs> Sanditon. 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 Um, and it's partly about him, his dream. He's obsessed with this dream of establishing this seaside resort. It looks like basically South End, as far as I can tell. Um, and it's kind of... there's a, One of the more interesting elements of it is, you know, how did these seaside resorts come into being and what was it like um, for people to to discover them and find them and how did you go bathing and all that that's there and then at the same time this um, this young woman is is welcomed into the world of super posh very rich family with a matriarch who's um, gonna, has to decide whether to leave her money to all her various relatives and hangers on and so it's got a kind of you know it's got a kind of classic Jane Austen vibe to it but with this weird <laughs> seaside town birthing element to it, hasn't it? Yeah, I I struggle with this a bit. I love a Jane Austen mm. adaptation. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Andrew Davis, Andrew who, Davis adapted, who adapted it, yes. it, right, he did um, Pride and Prejudice, yeah. one of the greatest yeah. adaptations. Exactly. Um, but it is weird because they set up this whole, like, the seaside is weird and dark. There's an amazing, like, on-the-nose line where she decides, this young girl decides to leave and travel to the seaside town. And her dad goes, be careful. And she goes, of what, papa? And he says, everything. And the whole setup is that the seaside is weird and dark and and full of um, odd people and eccentrics and people who are hiding things. And so it's got this weird kind of darkness and and just like eccentricity that I'm not used to in a Jane Austen. And as you say, Mm. she only completed nine chapters and they've obviously was it I thought it was 11 but you know Let me have a look. I may be wrong uh, it is 11 you're right so cool. wrote 11 chapters the script mm. has been stretched to 8 hours long they're talking about a second season potentially yes. so oh they want of, it to be the new Downton basically yeah. clearly. and here's the here's the problem right is um, and it's got all the classic setups of a Jane Austen so there's a guy who is indifferent and arrogant and there's an amazing line where um, she goes he's inclined not to think highly of our sex he had a um, bruising experience in the past because you know one woman breaks a man for eternity and therefore is horrible to all women it's it's got all of that stuff but I just in my head as I am binging Downton I just kept thinking it's no this Downton this is shit Abbey. Downton it's no Downton yeah. Abbey it's no yeah. Downton Abbey I didn't find so Charlotte um, Haywood as you said is the main character played by Rose Williams mm. I think who is kind of compelling but I wasn't massively that invested in her, which you really need to be in a Jane Austen, because yeah. that's what propels you along. Um, Chris Marshall, as you say, is is the guy who really wants to make this place into a hot destination. I didn't, I, I wasn't quite sure that he quite fit that. I, there was something that I just found quite, uh, it, there's, it wasn't compelling across the whole piece, mm. and I, I found it quite hard watch to get all the way through to the end. Um, as an Austen, it didn't kind of have. The that Austin power for me and as a period now I'm I'm like the full Downton obsessive it's no Downton so yeah. it's quite 
Damning with faint praise. Yeah, I, I, I kind of. I mean, Downton sets the bar very, very high, yeah, Terry. You can't does. expect anything else really yeah. to come close. It was weirdly directed, I thought, because there's. An, do you notice an incredible number of close-ups of like quite extreme close-ups? I was. I became obsessed with it after I started noticing it earlier, and then more and more. There's a big. There's a big ball where yeah. they all go and and they're dancing around and it kind of the camera focuses on their faces and it follows them as they're dancing around you don't see their legs at all it's quite a weird way of doing the whole thing and um and that kind of slightly put me off a little bit so it's i think it's trying to be different it's trying to do something different that's why i felt like almost try hard in, in a sense of doing yeah. something different to normal period drama let's not we can't just do normal period drama we have to do something different so it's got very kind of stylistic weirdness to it and in the end as you say, I'm not sure if I'm going to carry on watching it. Whereas, to, I know we keep comparing it, but it's, it's so the case that Downton Abbey, as you have proved single-handedly, is the fact you can't stop watching it. Mm. And that classic first episode set up so well, and it yeah. was so compelling. This one, I'm like, I don't need... I enjoyed it, but I don't need to carry on. There's certainly consequentiality to yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, shit, Downton, <laughs> a.k.a. Sanderson, <laughs> airs where, Boyd? ITV, Sunday night, 9 o'clock. Sunday night, 9 o'clock. It's a big weekend for me. Meanwhile, Downton Abbey is streaming on Amazon. (laughs) Okay, so also out this week uh, is the third season of Netflix's somewhat controversial 13 Reasons Why. So controversial, apparently, that they wouldn't let us see it. So here we are again with a Netflix show that we cannot see. Are either of you still watching this show? Did anyone watch season two? I watched season two. Was it good? Uh, No. No. It was was annoying, but I kind of felt I'm going to have to carry on watching it just to confirm how annoying it was. Did Um, you not like season one? No, I really liked season one. Oh, so did I. I, I I, Apart from the famous scene of... Um, her taking her own life, which has been edited out famously, mm. which we discussed it as a news story. Um, I thought it was really interesting and compelling and daring. You know, it's kind of quite a, quite a kind of full on depiction. I mean, you know, mm. Euphoria's outdone it, mm. but you know, they, were, they had a similarly kind of no nonsense approach to the realities of teenage life. So I really like that about it. And you know, great casting. I mean, and then season two, it floundered because it was trying to maintain the format of the thirteen reasons. <laughs> yeah. Literally, these tape recordings. And kind of totally went off the deep end and, and had a trial which didn't really work. And then it had brought in a new mystery storyline about Polaroids being taken of people doing stuff. And then it had a, a climactic ending which was even more distressing somehow than the, a sexual assault on a guy that was even more distressing than, than what happened at the end of season one. So it just felt, the whole thing felt, tri- I'm using that phrase a lot, try hard to me season two. Mm. But I have high hopes for season three because apparently, in, in theory, um, they're going to do something different, take it to a different a different direction. I think it's more of a kind of traditional, almost mystery. So a main character is dead, like who did it? You know, it's kind of have that yeah. format. But I don't think I'm ever going to find out, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, fair enough. I do feel like Euphoria is kind of... Is, mm. is, is, that's now the high yeah, water It's no mark. longer as fresh no. as, it, as it seemed when it nor, first... But nor as daring, nor as brutally honest yeah. and real. And th- I think Euphoria's shown how to do that stuff so brilliantly. I can't now... I mean, that might... That, you know, it's mm. my honest feeling. I'll go into it with an open mind. I will check it out. But, you know, I can't imagine it's going to be... That's good. Well, if right you did now. press on with season two, the third season of 13 Reasons Why it drops on Netflix on Friday and may, as Boyd has optimistically said, be good. Um, pick of the week. Brassic for hey, me. It's Peaky Blinders. What's Brassic. wrong with you? Nothing can stand oh, to the might of the Peaky Blinders. Yeah, it's Peaky for me, but Brassic is, is brilliant as well. Okay. It's right, definitely fine. not Sanderson. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't, didn't manage to spend as much time preparing. Pre- 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 I mean, clearly. I didn't manage to preparing for this podcast as I would normally, on account of having been off last week. So I haven't done what I would call a... <laughs> 
banshee per se. So, oh, well, so often. Hang on, like three weeks ago, you just read the Wikipedia page. So which, which bit is, of research okay, have, we, so, have you skipped? I'm going to do something slightly different where I'm just going to make it up. So so what I wanted to do is, because I was watching This Life and mm. I was watching Jack Davenport and I'm, you know, I wasn't going to start talking about coupling because that would be ridiculous. But I suddenly thought when I first encountered Jack Davenport was in Ultraviolet. Now, this is a cheat as well because I have technically mentioned Ultraviolet on this podcast before, but it was before the Banshee segment was a thing. Therefore, it gets through on a technicality. <laughs> so, 1998, six episodes and six episodes only. This is a Joe Ahern show and it starred Jack Davenport as a guy whose best friend goes missing. It's Stephen Moyer is the best friend. Goes missing the, the day before his wedding, or the night before his wedding. And... He, get, he goes looking for him and he gets embroiled into this underwear where he realises that vampires are a thing. Except in what? the whole of this show, it's absolutely true, they never mention the word vampire. They call them Code 5. Of course, the Roman numeral for 5 is a V and V is for vampire. And Anyway, so he ends up being drawn into this sort of secret sort of law enforcement group who target vampires. And in it is Agent Vaughan, a.k.a. Idris Elba. Yeah, and this was where I think I first encountered Idris Elba as well. And it was incredible. Like, it, it was almost like completely Nolanized. So they treated the idea of vampires with 100% seriousness. There was no tongue-in-cheek. It was deathly serious. And it dealt with paedophilia, where there's a vampire <laughs> child that they're pimping out to paedophiles. But obviously, uh, there's one point he's, he's talking to paedophiles. It's not the same, though, is it? He's probably older than you are, you know? Like, it's really fucking dark. It was an incredibly good show. And they have, like, guns with little... Because um, vampires don't show up on video footage. They have guns with little screens on them and a camera so they can look at the footage to make sure what they're going to shoot at with these little carbon bullets is a vampire. But it was really, really good. And uh, when I interviewed Edsel before... God, I can't even remember what I think might have been a Luther season. He was talking about how when he goes to conventional, what people still go up to and go, Vaughn, Vaughn, because people remember Ultraviolet. Even though it was only six episodes, I think they did syndicate it. Like They, they sold it to the US, it aired on the Sci-Fi Channel over there. And uh, Howard Gordon actually tried to adapt this to an ongoing series in America. And Idris Elba was recast as the same character. Um, but as Gordon has himself uh, admitted, he fucked it up spectacularly and lost everything that made it good. And so it never got beyond the pilot stage. So they never actually put it to season. But Ultraviolet, genuinely amazing sex episodes. I know there is a box set, a DVD box set, so you can almost certainly get it secondhand. It's probably about 50p. Genuinely, if you've never seen Ultraviolet, I cannot recommend it enough. It's brilliant. It's really, really, really good stuff. Did you mention that, Joe Ahern? Did you, you mentioned, Andrew Link, Joe Ahern wrote episodes of This Life. No, oh, I didn't did know, you know that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, so this, this is yeah. all ties together. Yeah. yeah. I've picked, does, does anyone remember Babylon. Oh, what, with 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 um with um uh, James Nesbitt. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, that was an odd one. Wasn't yes, because like, didn't they air the first episode? Yes, and then it was years before we had it again. No, well, this is what it was a while. It wasn't years. There was a ninety-minute pilot episode, yeah, which I saw, and directed enjoyed. by Danny Boyle, mm. no less. So the whole thing was cre- co-created by Danny Boyle, Jesse Armstrong, and Sam Bain of Peep Show mm. and um, Succession, etc. Fame, um, and it was a kind of comedy drama about the Metropolitan Police, and it dealt with a lot of issues, and it was very incredibly current and up yeah. to date. But, but I totally forgot. So I, I I loved it, and I went to a screening of it after. I thought this is incredible, and then you say there was I think a delay between, and then they showed the full series, and it was never recommissioned. The cast is incredible: um, Bertie Carvel, um, Daniel Kaluuya was in it, James Nesbitt, Patterson Joseph, Nicola Walker, Adam mm. Deacon, etc., um, etc. Et but the star of it, which I totally forgot, and while, but while I was doing research for a piece I'm writing, is Britt Marling. Yeah, Britt Marling as, as the PR person, as, as of the OA fame. Mm. 
is the P- American PR woman brought in by the Met to kind of modernise yeah. their their communications, and she and she's really funny <laughs> and kind of you know interesting and kind of over the top American PR woman thing. But then there's depth to her as well. It's Brit fucking Marvel. Yeah. And I totally and she's forgot. amazing in it. And she's amazing in but it. But what happened? Like I never like, as you said, the pilot dropped and then nothing. Like well, I think it took months. a while. It took a while. Actually, it, it took a year. In fact, I'm just checking. Yeah, it was it, a year. It, they had to make. So they got. They did the pilot, and the chance was like, "Yeah, this is brilliant. Now go and make it." And then they had to gather this uh, big, huge cast of people um, to do the actual proper series. Which and then they made seven episodes. But it didn't really. You know, I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a hit. Like hardly anyone fucking watched it in the end. Even though this big, ambitious, bold, funny, dramatic show mm. about the way the police work and it dealt with racism and everything, everything you want to deal with, and it had fucking Brit Marling in it, but. It kind of went by the wayside, and that was it. Seven episodes or whatever, and then it was over. So, fucking that's Babylon. No, that's really good. Now, Babylon's great as well. I think you should watch both. That's what I think. Vampires. Vampires. I'm I'm Terry the Vampire. You girl. should you should genuinely watch Ultraviolet. I I'm think you'd really like it. it. I'm, I'm going to write it in my like official notebook. It's now. really good shit. I'm just I'm just gutted that it ended, never continued. Anyway. That is it for another episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. Please go to iTunes at once and give us all the stars. Then head to the box office of the London Podcast Festival and give us all the money for our live show on Friday the 13th. Uh, I am off next week, as mentioned, as I will be at D23 in LA, immersing myself in The Mandalorian, Loki, WandaVision, and every other Disney Plus show they'll let me within grabbing distance of. Uh, Terry and Boyd will be here, though most likely with some incredibly glamorous A-lister to take my place. Um, I'll be back, hopefully, the week after, if the feature that I'm writing is going well. Until then, and before I head off to the convention, and let's be honest, swing by the new Star Wars Galaxy's Edge theme park ride at Disneyland, because it's right opposite the convention centre. It's going to be amazing. Really looking forward to that. Uh, All that's left, I guess, is for me to wish you all a fond farewell and hope Terry doesn't turn this into a This Is England fan podcast tribute nonsense thing in my absence I am wearing a Fred Perry today (laughs) you wear a Fred Perry every day (laughs) (laughs) pilot out